This is a podcast by the Business Times. Welcome to Money Hacks, a podcast series by the Business Times, where we offer actionable financial tips. I'm your host, Ernest Lewis. Now, this episode is aimed at small and medium-sized enterprises and large corporate companies or MNCs and how they can work better and more effectively with banks during this unnerving COVID-19 pandemic. It's an unprecedented era for the business environment. To talk us through this is Tan Su Shan. She's the group head of institutional banking at DBS. Welcome to our remote show, Sushan. Hi, Ernest. Thank you, you for having me. I'm good, thank you. Okay, now that we are reeling from the extension of the circuit breaker period till June the 1st, I mean, look, you're very experienced. You've seen many cycles, all the ups and downs over the decades. How bad is this COVID-19 period? What has it really been for you? Well, Ernest, I would say that this is unprecedented. It's like SARS and a business crisis put together. It's the great unknown that we're all worried about, the unknown on how long this will last, the unknown on when the vaccine will come into place, and the fear that you know, our loved ones or ourselves or people we know will get ill and will they survive the illness. So it's just challenging. I think most of us haven't seen anything this bad before. And the extended circuit breaker puts a lot of pressure on businesses, big and small, on families. It's, it's trying, but we will overcome this. As PM says, you know, we have to work together with all the stakeholders in our country to overcome this. And we will. What are the sectors that are worst hit? I would say, you know, the first tier sectors are the obvious ones. You mm. know, aviation comes to mind. That's obviously airlines, hospitality. So from big to small hotels, F&B, online tourism, retail. Yeah. Those are the obvious sectors that will be the worst hit. And then we have unrelated, but maybe from a demand perspective, it is related. That's the oil and gas sector being hit by absolute demand destruction and collapse in the price of oil. And Singapore is uh, an oil trading hub, so that is obviously uh, hurting the industry as well. And logistics, right? You know, when ports are not operational globally, goods are not moving, supply chain is stuck, shipping and logistics also gets affected. So every industry is affected in some way or other. Yeah, it's like come to a complete standstill. What about your observations of the SMEs during this period? Well, you know, I think SMEs have, thank God, governments have all pitched in. We've had three different packages now, each one targeted at different industries or different segments of the population from self-employed to SMEs to those whose contract work has been affected and all aimed at helping businesses small and big but particularly small businesses, tied over what is an unprecedented demand destruction phase, right? Because for SMEs, and frankly for all businesses, what is important is cash flow, right? If you Mm. can't sell anything or you can't sell your services or your your goods, you don't get paid. You don't get paid, you can't pay your bills. And so it's this vicious cycle of cash flow or lack of cash flow that is putting a challenge on everyone. So I think what the government is doing now is number one, to create that cash flow or liquidity in the system. Number two is to lower the cost of loans in the system. And number three, to enable banks and SMEs to work together so that they can access these loans easily and cheaply 
I think it's crucial, and I think it will go some way in helping some of these companies tie through these very difficult times. Right. Now, talk us through that. Assuming I'm an SME boss and I've been caught cold somewhat, I'm not ready for this. I wasn't actually ready with online transition. I don't even have any online presence yet. I haven't even begun to think about that. What do you think someone like me, or someone in my shoes, should do? So I think there are two tracks. The first is whether you can and how do you digitize your business. Mm -hmm. And the second is how do you get cash flow help, right? So dealing with the first, how do you digitize? Well, there's a lot of uh, from government agency help like ESG, Start Digital, for example. We've partnered with them to help to roll out various digitalization packages for customers. Mm -hmm. It's really a one-stop shop. You go in, you learn to work with partners. So for example, for the F&B sector, we've worked with a couple of startups like Udo, etc. And, and help the restaurants digitize their menu, get on a delivery platform, get paid digitally and reach out to their customers digitally. I mean, COVID, in a funny kind of way, was the impetus to make all the previously undigital business go digital, right? So it's really just businesses learning to pivot quickly and embrace the digital technology that we have to help our businesses. Because even without COVID, post-COVID, things are going to be different, right? And yes. the world has already, your customers have learned to be digital. So you have to go with that trend. That trend ain't going back. And then also, obviously, let's talk about the second track, which is the loan track, right? Yes. Working capital. Take advantage of what the government is doing right now, which is offer temporary loan relief schemes. Banks like DBS are offering loan relief schemes. So, you know, if you have a secure loan with us, we can give you a moratorium on your principal repayment. There are various cheaper loans out there from what we call the temporary bridging loan or the enhanced working capital loan. All of these, you can literally go online, sign up for it and get approval literally within the day, hopefully even shorter. And then we have what we call a digital business loan, which is really just an online quick loan. You don't even need to give us too much information. We just need to check some data points. And if it's approved, we can get up to 200,000 literally on the spot. Wow, that's a lot. So, yeah, yeah so mm. it's, we're all working yeah. together with businesses. We want businesses to survive. You know, SMEs are the lifeblood of our country and we need our SMEs to be thriving. So... If this COVID situation, hopefully, is not too long, then we just yeah. need to help them conserve capital, get access to loans, help them digitize their business and, and survive this hard few months. And honestly, businesses that can survive this should be able to survive anything, right? So yes, yeah. we're all in this together. As you said, we are all in this together. We, we can't afford to sink, but we'll try and swim together as well. Yes, absolutely. Now, if you like Money Hacks so far, please subscribe to Money Hacks Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. Now, back to our conversation with Tan Su Shan. She's the Group Head of Institutional Banking for DBS. Let's move on next to large corporate companies or MNCs. It's really ubiquitous, and big companies also have the added complication of not being able to work business as usual. Factory lines, supply chains are down, orders are being cancelled, delayed, etc. So having to hunker down to preserve cash, to cut expenses at a time where job security is needed across the board, 
it's not easy. But you know, that's what I think big companies now have to look at their cash flow. They have to make projections and stress tests about the next three, six, nine months mm-hmm. and adjust accordingly so that they can overcome what I hope is a limited time frame of real stress on their balance sheet. In fact, do you think that, uh, I mean, we have an extended circuit breaker. Many countries in the world, Italy, for example, uh, they are worried about lifting restrictions. You mentioned three, six, nine months. Should companies be planning for the year, actually, to be on yes. the safe side ahead? Yes. I mean, you know, companies are doing different levels of stress testing. Some are doing six, some are doing 12 months. I think, yes, you're right, Ernest, to be safe, do it for the rest of the year, hmm. possibly into first quarter next year as well. And, you know, stress testing, Test it according to the industry you're in, right? In some industries, for example, the, the sales drop is as much as 90%. In some, it's as much as 100%. Yeah. In some, it's as low as 30%, 20%. So it depends on what industry you're working with. But what I would recommend is stress test your revenue inflow. Look mm-hmm. at your outflow in terms of running costs, fixed and variable. And then look at your principal and interest payments that you have to fulfill, your obligations you have to fulfill. And then look at all the various avenues of liquidity that you can tap on, whether it's a committed line from a bank, whether it's the capital markets or bond market, whether it's fresh equity injection from shareholders, etc. Look at every avenue where you can have liquidity because that's what's needed at, at a time like this. In fact, uh, it may make companies feel like it's a very crippling time. But the thing is also, in as you said, in terms of their mindset, should they be crippling the mindset of their employees? I mean, that's a delicate issue to balance as well. A lot of their employees in large corporate companies, they might be thinking, okay, will I be laid off if the company feels that I'm working remotely, I'm not as productive as I used to be, or I could be more productive, or maybe my department doesn't contribute to the bottom line as much as other departments. How do large corporate companies deal with these kind of employee issues as well? I mean, what are the things to do and not to do during this period? So, you know, we're all learning to keep employees engaged at a time like this. And I find that over-communicating, you can't over-communicate at a time like this. But cascading that communication down to your management level, teams. So in the past, everyone would meet at the, you call it water cooler talk or at the corridors and stuff. And that's gone now. So the serendipitous meetings, if you will, yeah. are no longer there. Yeah. We still have a regular cadence of proper meetings. Everyone's using Zoom or, or webcasts or, you know, whatever. So we're still having these calls. Right. Most people I know are on calls all day long. Yes. So there is the regular cadence of those meetings. But I think being able to see people online, to have a gallery of live videos where everyone can still connect and have a laugh or connect as teams and feel that connection. Um, so the things you can do, you know, I have teams across the world who have sort of Friday drinks from home or, ah, you know, yeah, okay. wear your favorite T-shirt day. So like know, virtual Friday hangouts, right? Or virtual like Friday hangouts yeah. where they just really just chat. And how was your week? What's, how's it going? Has it been tough? What do you miss? You know, and really just connecting to each other as colleagues, friends and fellow human beings. And does that happen with management and lower level employees? Yes, all the time. I think that's crucial. It's just keeping that level of engagement and energy levels, but also the level of communication, right? And, you know, I'm part of various chat groups where they say send a picture of something you learned to cook or a picture of your pet or, you know. 
So I think um, keeping those regular cadences, you know, we've saved time. I mean, the irony is, I think in some cases, we are being more productive, right? Because we don't have to travel anymore. We get things done a lot quicker. So for example, with our engineers who are in India, in the past, we used to have to wait for them to get to work because, you know, it would take them an hour to get to work plus the time difference of two and a half hours. Yeah. You know, that's three and a half hours, but now cut out an hour both ways for travel. They're in by the time we're in. And, you know, it's actually, funnily enough, in some cases, a lot more efficient and productive. Yeah, I agree um, with you. Uh, right? Less yeah. time to iron clothes as well. Yes, <laughs> indeed. <laughs> okay, now COVID-19. I mean, how do you think it has changed the way large corporate companies are going to operate? I mean, even beyond the 12 or the 6 to 12 month period, is it going to permanently change the way a lot of companies operate? Yes, I think this will change our business lives and our working lives and our personal lives in many ways. The first is, as I said earlier on, businesses would have pivoted to a digital way of doing business and we're not going back. Customers would have pivoted to digital ways of purchasing and we're not going back. And we've also realized that we can be effective using Zoom or WebEx or whatever it is that we use, digital mm -hmm. interfaces for meetings. And so you may not have to travel so far anymore to have physical meetings. You can get things done. You can share documents live. You can do a UX design online together. It's not that difficult, mm -hmm. right? So technology adoption will change the way we do business. And, uh, even, and we're not turning back. What about percentage of the workforce that works remotely? Is that going to be a permanent feature as well, in, especially in companies that can afford that? Yes, I think so. I think companies have realized that it does work. Obviously, if you need to have workshops where people need to be physically present, then you'll do that. But I think companies are realizing you could toggle both quite effectively. So I won't be surprised if we see more hot desking and, and more sort of flexible working arrangements for companies being adopted after this. I won't be surprised that companies adopt digital payments, which they should. We've rolled out trade even, digital documentations for trade that can be digitized. And I won't be surprised to see that being adopted in a wider scale as well. So I think the digital tools that have propagated in the last few weeks, we've rolled out stuff in the last month at a cadence that I've not seen before. And that's just to help businesses through this COVID period where we can't be physically there. And when clients realize, hey, it's actually working, it's quite efficient and it's fast, they're not turning back to paper, whether it's payments or documentations or online account opening or online loan application, etc. We're not turning back. Yeah. So I think the digital leapfrog will change the way businesses are done. So I guess in a good way, it's sort of like a reset button, but in some ways it's good. It's painful for now. It's painful for now. It's challenging for now, but the human race is adaptive. Hopefully we'll find a vaccine soon and, and we will prevail. We have prevailed in the past and we will prevail again. Okay, we've been speaking with Tan Sushan. She's the Group Head of Institutional Banking for DBS. Thanks, Sushan, for your great insights. Thank you for having me, Ernest. Nope. Stay well and stay safe, everyone. That's a wrap for this episode of Money Hacks. We hope you like these actionable financial tips and insights. That was an SBH podcast by The Business Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.
Any financial or investment information in this podcast is for use in Singapore only and is intended to be for your general information. Any particular investment or decision should only be made after consulting with a fully qualified financial advisor.